I'm going to go right into his word, okay? Let's just get right into his word, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're just going to sustain it. And we're just uh, thankful that you are here, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're with us. You never, ever leave us. I just have to say it again. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. It just doesn't look like what we expected, right? It's just not what we expected sometimes, but he is with us. And it says in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 17, it says that Elijah was as human as we are. Say, he was human, just like some of us. (laughs) And yet, when he did what God asked him to do, when he trusted God, when he met with God, spent time with God, and got the will of God in his heart, and then prayed it out earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he sought the Lord again and got the will of the Lord within him and prayed it out again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And I've just been looking at these, these last two weeks at this picture and it has been a theme for the new year of us as Christians, as us as human beings that have a supernatural God with us. He has not just put us here and said, let's just see how you do. This is not, you know, like ancient aliens. I like watching the show sometimes for the them showing us these giant, you know, uh, unbelievable things that people built, and I see it in my word how it was done, but anyway, but I don't believe their theory that we're just uh, some sort of um, greenhouse experiment, you know, we're just aliens are watching us, let's just see what they do and how they do. That is not God. God is with us. He is present with us. And the devil wants to make you feel like you are nobody, that you are nothing, that you are insignificant, that your life doesn't matter. And, and, that is in, 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 that is his ultimate goal is to take you out. And if he can't take you out physically in the sense that you are still alive on the earth, if he can't kill you, then he'll just get you to think in your mind that you are insignificant, that you are just uh, a little uh, insignificant nothing, And you might even be thankful for what God has done in your life, uh, but you don't ever do anything for God in your life. And that's just not what we were put here for. We were put here to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. We were put here to be his image, as I've been preaching on, on this earth, a reflection of him on this earth. The devil tried to steal the image of God from the earth because it has power. There's a power of God within you through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so I looked last week at David, who is such a man um, after God's heart. That's literally what God calls him, a man, a man after his heart. And I just want to pick up right there where we left off. And you can go ahead and listen to the podcast for the last couple of weeks on how this has been opening up, but basically uh, Samuel has been commissioned by God to go and find a man. It says in Samuel 
chapter 13, verse 14, that the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord sought out a man after his own heart. And you can look at that. I talked last week how all you really need, you can be human as human as human. But if you will have a heart that is soft and humble towards God, God can do something with that. God can do amazing things with a broken, uh, ugly, <laughs> uh, miserable, disgusting human being. He will take murderers and prostitutes and drunkards and drug addicts and the worst of the worst, the lowest scum of the earth to the world that has a broken heart, a humble heart. God can do incredible things in that person and through that person. That's all he needs is a heart after him. He doesn't need perfection. In fact, when you try to bring him perfection, he has to break you to get rid of that pride in you so that you get to that same place, unfortunately, that it seems like that the sinner comes to easier than the righteous. And you know what I mean. You have to have a heart after God. That's all that he needs. If you will give him your heart, and it's not just a prayer at an altar, that prayer can be valid, but the prayer has to represent an actual action of, yes, Lord, you really do have my heart. And if you will do that, God can and will. He wants to. It's his will for you, and it is the plan and purpose of God to do something through your life. Amen? You are not here just to occupy space. You are not an accident. I feel like I need to just preach it out into the, into the spirit a little bit too because I just, uh, we just, you know, some of you know, we, I lost a, a, a childhood friend this week. Another death, just another life just gone. And it's just such a mockery to me uh, of God that the devil is doing with this generation, with, with Christians leaving this earth. That shows me how important it is that we live. I know he went to heaven. So if the devil doesn't mind sending a Christian to heaven, then that tells me that it's not about heaven and hell. That tells me how important it is that we live on this earth. That shows me how much our lives do make an impact. And he is going to try to restrict you and make you feel so dumb make you feel so little, make you feel so bombarded and just in this struggle of just, of just the nothingness of life so that you don't ever uh, live that life that God wants to live through you. And as I already said, if he can't take you out physically like he took this, this guy that I knew uh, out physically, then he will try to take you out. Sure, yes, I will take that. Thank you then he'll try to take you out mentally. And that's what he's doing. He's been doing that with this generation. I'm just sick and tired of it, to be honest. Maybe I said, Lord, I always pray, Lord, I don't want to bring my opinion. I just need to bring your word. But I said, Lord, I'll bring my opinion if my opinion is your, is your opinion. And I, the Lord is sick and tired of it. Enough, of, enough is enough is enough. It's ridiculous for us to just, man, I, I can't say anymore. Just, but it's just ridiculous that the devil has, has so much authority when he has no authority. And we're, 
we're giving it to them willingly by just being, um, I just don't want to say too much there, but just being less than we were called to be. Let me just preach the sermon because I could go on there. <laughs> I could go on. And God finds this guy, David, a man after his own heart. If you read the Psalms, it's clear that it wasn't just a heart that God put in David, because God does plant things in us. Aren't you thankful that he has planted something in you that's greater than you? But it's almost like, um, it's not that you didn't do it, it's that you responded to it. Does that make sense? When the word is spoken, the heart has a chance to either receive it or reject it. And if a heart will receive his word, come on, there are many, many, many people that had a grandmother that was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for them, and it took them even 60 years, and finally something broke, right? Something, their eyes are just open. Isn't it amazing to see a new believer, like a real deal saved believer? I've just been around one recently, like, where it's just, it's so obvious that, you know, that it's nothing we can do. We know that we've had a part of it, but it's the Holy Spirit that, like, just took the scales off their eyes. But I, I, as I say that, at the same time, the person still had to respond. There's a response to that. The Lord's constantly wooing the entire world. He's wooing us, and we either are stubborn and stiff-necked and prideful and jealous and envious and all those uh, things that come so easily to us from our human nature, or we humble ourselves and receive what he has given us. And it's amazing if we just say, yes, Lord, we don't even understand what it means when he comes to us many times with something he wants to do in us, but we just say, yes, Lord, and then we see something miraculous happen bigger than us. And that's what we see in David. We see that the Lord definitely planted something in him. There was just a desire in him to worship God and to love God and to want to be near God. But David still had to do it. Say, David still had to do it. He still had to respond. And, and we know that he was human because the Bible records his mistakes. If, he was, if it was just God and that he didn't have a choice in the matter, then he wouldn't have made mistakes. But he made mistakes because he was human. But what we see in David, why David was so much greater than Saul, was David had a repenting heart. That was a heart after God, a repenting heart. A heart that was so broken before the Lord when he messed up. And that's a different sermon, but I just want to really just, he deserves, I think David deserves when you ever bring up his story to, uh, to not praise him like he's God, but just to praise his character as something that we should aspire to. And so it says that Samuel here in 1 Samuel uh, found David but there was a little bit of a process in chapter 16. We started to look last week that he comes and, and he says to Jesse, bring all your sons out. We're going to do something here, I'm, I'm, and, and we're going to have a little sacrifice here. He doesn't say, I'm going to anoint one of your sons 
to be the next king of Israel, but we're going to have a sacrifice and bring all your sons to me. So Jesse brings all his sons, and Samuel looks, takes one look at Eliab, his son, and he says, surely this is the one. The Lord tells him, don't judge by appearance or height. Uh, and the, it says the Lord doesn't see things this way. In verse uh, 7, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then he brings in Abinadab, and Samuel said, this is not the one. And then Shemiah, and this is not the one, verse 9. And finally, in the same way, verse 10, uh, all seven sons uh, uh, were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Verse 11, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And he says, there is still the youngest. Everybody say the youngest, the insignificant. There's still the, the one, oh, yeah, that's right. I do have another son. <laughs> I mean, he told him, bring your sons. And like nobody thinks to ask David. He, that's how insignificant, you know, he was here in this situation. Uh, it says he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats and send for him at once. And we know the story. He comes in, verse 12, it says, this is the one, anoint him. And that's David. All right, so that's the, that's the backdrop. That's David. And so what I want to preach to you today for the next minutes is when we have this encounter with Goliath. But we needed to see that because uh, you can go and look further last week about talking about the heart. But I needed to mention it again because it really sets up the story here. Um, and the fact that even Samuel looked at the appearance, he looked at human strength, he looked at human height, he looked at human stature, or he looked at the human part, and the fact is that David was just as human, but humanly speaking, he didn't look the part. He didn't seem like the guy that God would be picking, and it's because even though we are human, if God can get the right heart, God can do amazing things. That was the point here, and that's why God could have easily told Samuel, it's not Jesse you're going to go find. Go find David out in the field. I mean, why did he have to bring up Jesse? Why do you have to bring all the sons and do this whole thing? And it was to create this point that is still penned down for us to read today, that God is looking for one thing. Don't bring him all of your talents and don't bring him, you know, all of yourself and, and all your pride and all your strengths. He doesn't need any of that. He just needs a humble heart. And then he'll use those strengths because David has strengths we're going to read about in a moment that were incredible. Uh, the best sharpshooter that, that ever lived. Uh, and, and yet uh, God didn't need that. He just needed the heart. And then he used the strength in you. Amen. So... Uh, it says in, in 1 Samuel uh, 16, moving on to, uh, uh, let's move on to, actually, we'll just skip that. We know that the Holy Spirit came upon him, it says in verse 13, okay? He was anointed, the Holy Spirit came on him. God was with him, okay? And now he's got two jobs. Now he, what he's doing in between is he's playing the strings for Saul, Right? Everybody know the story? Everybody in here is believers. Everybody's read your Bible, so I can just kind of preach a little bit easier. Uh, he's playing the strings for Saul, and it's soothing him whenever uh, Saul has this tormenting spirit come around him, and you can look more into that on your own time there in that chapter. And he's also still taking care of the sheep and the goats. So he's kind of going between these two jobs, and the Lord's already using his heart. 
He's just playing strings, but God's doing something incredible, and he's placing him amongst kings. Uh, God's already using this person that is connected to God uh, through his hands on the strings. And so uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's get to our story here, and hopefully I can last through it. Verse 1, the Philistines now mustered their army for battle, and they camped between Sukkau and uh, in Judah, and uh, Azekah and Ephnes, and uh, Saul uh, countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine, champion from Gath, he came out from uh, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. And I just want, I'm going to continue here, but I just want to make a note. It's not a coincidence in chapter 16 that Samuel looked at the height and the appearance of David's brothers, and that David was so insignificant that he doesn't even get called to this party, okay, where we're judging by appearances. And then we go into the very next chapter, and it tells us the exact height and uh, strength of Goliath, okay? That is significant. The Bible um, has information, uh, even though it is a book of life, the information is not by accident. The life is in the fact that he tells us what he wants to tell us and leaves out some things that he leaves out. We just skip 40 years sometimes. So this is significant. This is not just, oh, you breeze over, oh, yeah, Goliath's a big guy. He's literally going through it to make the point. <laughs> David is, Samuel, even the prophet of God, didn't even think anything. It had to be the Spirit of the Lord that told him this is the one. And it says, and he, he also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder, and the shaft of his spear was heavy, and it was thicker than a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead, and weighed 15 pounds, and his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. And Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. And what he was really saying is, is I defy your God there was a defiance against God here, against our God, and against the people of God. Send a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. One time I was praying with the Lord, and the Lord gave me a vision of Goliath. And uh, I saw the Lord weeping, and I started to weep, um, not because I was sad. It was just a spiritual moment with God. And I found myself then just prophesying out. Uh, it, was not, it was private. It was not a big, no crowd or anything like that, just the Lord. And uh, the words were, 
will someone finally stand up and fight Goliath? The Lord was saying, won't someone stand up against this Goliath? And I just saw the Lord's, uh, the Lord's broken heart. You know, the Lord has broken hearts sometimes. He's God, but he, his heart breaks. Jesus wept over Lazarus, you know. I mean, the Lord is tender towards us. He's not just a, he is a mighty God. I mean, it's, I love talking about God's mightiness. And I love just, you guys know that as the church here, that you hear me talk about just the power of God in the universe. But he's also, the other side of him is the soft, tender-hearted father of God as well. And I just saw his broken heart over this region, over this land, and uh, over us. And that God uses, as you know, as I preach continually, and I'm even preaching it today, God uses us. He could have done it anyway, but 99.9% of the time, even if he just has you stand there in the gap and just pray, God does heavenly supernatural things on this earth through human beings. That's how he works. It is very rare that he doesn't work through humans, even if he just has you stand there, right? We have stories that they just stand, just stand and see, but they had to stand there and be a conduit of God through into the earth. It's not you, but it's still God, but he does it through us. So the Lord uh, is looking today uh, at a Goliath, at a spirit, um, an apathetic, heavy, uh, weighty spirit, a demonic spirit, even over this whole nation, uh, that it doesn't mean he doesn't love us, and it doesn't mean there's not still miracles. God's still doing, he's always still doing things. There's things happening all the time. doesn't mean that God's not on the move and that God's not doing things, but there is a demonic force of hell that, as we can see so clearly, it's so clear because we have the world as our thermometer, right? That it's just getting darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. And I don't want to condemn you. He's not condemning us. But the only thing that will change the darkness is light. All right, so the darkness has always been there. Do you know why it's getting darker? People are not getting more evil. That's not true. I mean, the evidence of their evil is becoming clear. It's because our light is not shining bright anymore. As our light dims, you can go into the darkest abyss, into the deepest, darkest hole in the earth, and you light a match, and it will be seen, right? Lighthouses are seen. I mean, ships see them from, I mean, I don't know what the miles are, but they see them from miles and miles and miles. In fact, nautical light, I know this because I wake up early to go out as a sportsman, so I look at sunrise, and technically your eyes can see 30 minutes before sunrise, but if you're on the ocean, because they're out there, they can actually see ahead, they can see the the light even further. Light is so powerful. It penetrates even further. It's another 15 or 30 minutes beyond that. Maybe it's an hour before actual sunrise that you can see. It's the light of God that will penetrate the darkness. That's what he needs. We are the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But Jesus is not the light of the world anymore. I know that sounds heretical, but it's not. He said, because you are the light of the world. It's not your own light. Say, it's not my own light. 
it's the light of Jesus within me. I I'll just say it by myself. The light of Jesus within me, shining through me. <laughs> Thank you for your participation. I know, I'm just playing. But that's what the Lord means, is light shining in the darkness. And uh, I'm not condemning us. I think this church has done an amazing job to stand in the gap. I'm talking more about just the overall, the overall, uh, unfortunately, the overall picture of of Christianity, and, and I can only speak for this Western nation because that's the one I live in, so I won't talk about any others, but in this nation, it's getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Christians are getting more concerned with things of the world, and what happens with that is, it's very simple. You just take a glass of clear water, and you put one droplet of something in it, and one droplet at a time, you're going to see the difference. It's, it's not going to be clear water anymore, even very, very quickly. Just a few droplets of TV, just a few more droplets of the cell phone, a few droplets of distractions, and little by little, it becomes just as murky as the dirty water that we were rescued from. It's very simple. And so the Lord is looking and he's searching. And again, I need to emphasize today, don't get cleaned up to come to him. And I'm talking to Christians. I'm saying, like, say, Lord, use me. Lord, I want to be used by you. Lord, I want to open my mouth and speak for you. I want to, Lord, I need to pray more. Lord, I need to stand in the gap more. And as you do that, don't try to get everything in your life perfect because you never, ever will. Just say, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. And just open your mouth to the Lord, and, and the Lord's going to use you. Amen. Is that encouraging anybody in here? And so uh, we, we, we have him now where David's going to come on the scene. It says that in verse 12, David comes into the land uh, and to bring, him, uh, to bring his brothers uh, some food. His father says, bring your brothers some food. And so in verse 22, David uh, goes to meet them in verse 23. As he was talking to his brothers, the Philistine champion from Gath came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. For 40 Days this went on. For 40 days, not one person in the entire army, including Saul, who just out of nobility, even if he didn't have the strength, uh, if nobody else would do it, the noble thing for Saul to do would have been to stand up and to do it himself. That's just how it was even in those times. And so no one stands against him. And this is going on every day, and it says they, David sees it, and they run because they based their fear on their human strength. Everybody say they were afraid because they looked at their own human strength, and by that gauge, their strength and abilities seem to be lesser 
than Goliath. By looking through the lens of their own strength, it appeared that Goliath was stronger than them. You know, the devil comes, the Bible says, as a roaring lion, but it's not actually true to call him a lion. He is not a lion. He comes like, everybody say he comes like or as a roaring lion. What does the cross of Calvary tell us? I mean, I have so many verses here. I'm not going to be able to read all of them. And so I'll just read uh, Colossians 2, verse 15. But I wrote down many of the things that Jesus did on that cross. The word tells us exactly what he did. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, in this way, speaking of the cross, speaking of the blood of Jesus, it says, let's just read this out loud, because I think we, our spirits need to hear it again, right? We need to hear it. We need to encourage our spirit. Let's just read this out loud. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I have a whole list of verses here that say the same thing in different ways of what Jesus did on that cross. Satan is, has been referred to, I think correctly, as a toothless lion. The only way he gets his teeth is if you give him to him. He has no power and authority over us. He is coming out to taunt, and he taunts, and he taunts, and he taunts. And the thing is that his taunt is, is real because it's taking down people, even Christians. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not sad when I hear that the world is dying. I'm not saying I'm not sad, so hear me. I'm going to say it again. I'm not saying I'm not sad that I hear that the world is suffering and dying. But when I start hearing that Christians are dying for uh, I don't have any other words except stupid reasons. It makes me really angry. <laughs> I'm not angry at the person, that's for sure. My heart breaks for them. But I'm so angry that a toothless lion got to them, that this taunts, because they're real, because fear is real. Uh, worry is real the pains and sufferings of this world if you let if you hang in them they're real goliath was a real person i love that the story is not spiritual we're talking about it spiritual but i love that we read a real story because somehow some way we're not looking at a physical goliath but the lord's showing you that your struggle is still real the lord's very aware of your struggle he's very aware of the stuff that you've had to face as Christians. But he wants you to know today that it's not based on your strength. It's not based on your human ability. It is not based on the words, the eloquent, sophisticated Bible school words of your prayers. It's a heart that grabs a hold of the word of God in heaven that was spoken before time and begins to grab a hold of it in your heart, and first of all, to know it, and then to just pray out even brokenness. I think we just said this on Tuesday. Help is a prayer. God doesn't need 
And the devil can't touch that prayer. God doesn't need eloquent prayers, and the devil can't touch that prayer. You know, that prayer that's connected to heaven of just help. You know, people have had car accident experiences where they can't say, they used to say certain words before those moments. They were different words, and they had different power. You know which words I mean. You can go down your list, the words that you had. But there are those that just before that microsecond accident cried out to Jesus or cried out, help me, and have had miraculous miracles. I know that I've experienced that personally. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All I can say is Jesus, and he has delivered me from many potential, literally, death experience. I'm talking no reason I should have lived through stuff experiences more than once you know me you know my story you maybe you don't remember I have to remember that's right I did almost die many times and the Lord was faithful to me even in my own stupidity but I cried out help in the moment and so the Lord is trying to get us to see today that Goliath is taunting the devil was taunting this the Christians he's taunting and uh, and I've talked about many of the different things there's other there's other many 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 myriads of attacks that he does and many of them come in forms of just distraction in this world but the uh, taunting this thing that plays in your mind of and you don't even realize you ever See a person you haven't seen in 30 years and there's something you just don't like that person. You don't even know why. But if you actually like literally sat down and had to rewind the tape, you find out, oh, yeah, that's right. 30 years ago, they said something to me and I didn't like it. And I formed a blockade against them. And I'm not even aware of the blockade anymore. I was, the Lord just started showing me this recently, just reminding me of the power of, of, of Satan. Not that it has power. It doesn't have to have power. But it has power if you let it have power. Uh, there was a, a, a third grade teacher. I'm going I'm to tell the story in joy. Ah, I don't hold anything against her. But I have to tell it because it's funny because it, it's still, though, you, uh, the fact that I'm telling it means that that's the power of, that Satan tries to put on us. This, uh, my mom was supposed to send us in with Kool-Aid. That's what I was supposed to bring, specifically Kool-Aid. Nothing else, no soda, nothing else, Kool-Aid. To this Christmas party. And, uh, of course, I want to say, of course, only I can say that for me and my mom. I don't care. I'm not, I don't care if she's offended at that. Of course, she did not send me with Kool-Aid. Sent me with something else last minute. Anyway, long story short, I don't get to experience the Christmas party. I'm, I have to stay in class and write multiplication tables in the room next door. And so the funny thing is that's all the way back in third grade. And yet... If you say her name, which I will not say because I'm not doing that, but if you say her name, something in me is a little irritated. That's incredible. But that's demonic. I'm not saying that's good, and I'm not saying that's just, that's normal. That's the devil. That's the devil. The tauntings of the devil. 
they get down so deep in us that sometimes we don't even realize that the reason that we are who we are and, and that we've put up all these blockades and that we run from every battle and we don't do this and we do this and sometimes we don't even realize that, that the devil has actually uh, put, um, uh, I can't describe it in human words, but this, this fear thing, this thing that causes you to run instead of standing one way or the other it's something inside you that just it, it, it you don't even realize you're not trusting God your instinct is to run your instinct is that as soon as things get uncomfortable for you in one way shape or form you revert to uh, this comfort zone to this to this place and 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 the Lord wants to deliver you from that. The Lord wants to take down that Goliath. The Lord wants to take down those towers, those demonic forces that have stood even within your own mind, even within yourself for so long. The Lord wants to deal with those things in you. And for some people, it might be worry. And some people, it might be fear. And some people, it's bitterness. And some people, it's the past. And some people, it's, it's, it's this hurt. And in some people, it's this pastor. And in some people, it was a third grade teacher. And in some people, it's this one particular word. When people say it to you, you don't even realize it was something your mom used to say to you. And now they're saying it. And they're cursed with her. But the Lord's dealing with that thing, and it needs to be dealt with. We need to stand once and for all. We're not going to run from this thing anymore. We're going to face this thing. Amen. You may not even know what I'm saying today, <laughs> but I needed to preach this anyway. This might be you're getting on the surface, but the Lord's doing something even deeper in your spirit than you're even aware of. But this Goliath needs to come down. This Goliath has been standing, and he's been taunting too long. And what it's done is it's kept us in a suppressed Christian state, a weak, dim-lighted Christian state. And it's time for our light to shine, to arise and shine. Amen? So it says that in verse 25, have you seen the giants? And David responds in verse 26, I want you to say this out loud. David says, who is this? It says, who is this? And you may know it as uncircumcised Philistine, right? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? Come on, that's what you need to get to. Like, what is this thing that's been controlling my life? It's time to say no. This thing that has controlled me long enough, it's time to go. This fear of man that has kept me from sharing the gospel with the world around me, it's time for you to bow your knee. It's time for you to go. Who is this fear in me anyway? Who is this worry that every single time I commit to the Lord, I'm going to give you my time, I'm going to give you my money, but every single time the Philistine giant uncircumcised pagan shows up on Monday morning in the mail as a bill, and then suddenly your commitment to the Lord, you run away in fear. You say, Lord, enough. 
That's it. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start seeking you. I'm going to start trusting you. And then the very next day, something happens in your life, and you run and you retreat. Who's experienced that? It's time that this Goliath comes down, and we need to start it by saying, who is this? Who is this Philistine anyway? That is, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. You know, you can make it so personal, and I encourage you to do that today. Who is this in me speaking such lies against the word of God? What is this disgusting mockery of God that is telling me to trust my own human strength more than God? That is telling me that the reason you're in this situation is because of you instead of just saying, it doesn't matter how I got in the situation, I'm going to look to God and I'm going to trust in God. Who is this? You know, I was just thinking of a funny thing if... Uh, Dr. Seuss was to write this little section of scriptures, then I would say to you, who's who in Whoseville? Because this is what this is about. This is about who is who. You need to start to know who is who. Who is who? You need to start to know who is who. The devil wants you to think that he's it. That, and, and, he, and he's subtle, and that's why I, I may have seemed a little out there in left field. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not. Sometimes I don't know what it looks like from this position. Sometimes I go and listen to it later. I usually don't, but sometimes I don't even understand what I said out of my own mouth standing here. And I'm like, okay, it did make sense. Sometimes like, no, it didn't make sense anyway. But the Holy Spirit still did something. But it may have seemed like it's a little out there, but what? I'm trying to get to, and I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to get into our hearts today, is that the devil, he hides. He hides sometimes, though, in past. He hides inside of hurts like it's not the devil. But what he's doing is causing you every single time you start to make progress with the Lord, every single time, when this particular taunt, this particular thing happens in your life, causes you to retreat. And the Lord is saying today, enough. It's time to stand and face that thing. Time to stand and face that thing. Who is this that defies my God? It is literally a mockery of God within us to cower. And I'm not saying you don't. Uh, uh, I, I just don't want to condemn you. I'm not saying that it's never, ever going to happen. But when it happens, as quickly as you can, look to God again. As quickly as you can, look to God again. Because the devil wants you to think about who you are. These are the who's, who you are. You know, as soon as David says, who is this? Do you know what they say, says happens in the very, very next verse? I wasn't even going to, not the next verse, uh, 28, two verses later. I wasn't even going to include this scripture in this sermon. I didn't think it was relevant to what I was preaching on. And then the Holy Spirit prompted me to put this in. Verse 28 says, but David's older brother, Eliab. Well, that's funny. Maybe that's why in 16, the Lord made sure we recorded his name and recorded that situation. Because you remember when David was anointed, his brothers were there watching. You remember that? Eliab heard David talking to the men. He was angry. You know, as soon as you decide to deal with things and deal with stuff, 
even his own brothers, they come around him and they want to try to bring him down. You know, the devil, we don't war against flesh and blood. David can't be mad at Eliab and you can't be mad at Eliab either. We don't war against flesh and blood. But the moment that he said, who is this? The devil's immediately working through his brother to try to bring him back down, to try to suppress him. I don't know who that is in your life. I'm not telling you that you need to point your finger at them and curse them, but you need to stop listening to them. I don't know who they are, but whoever this is, that every time you grab a hold of God and you say enough is enough and I'm going to start to do things for God, and then all of a sudden, sometimes the person closest to you, the person that loves you, or I don't know, or maybe not, maybe it's someone from your past or whatever, but all of a sudden, they don't even realize it, but they start suppressing you and pushing you back down and says, what are you doing around here? Who are you? Who are you? He says, what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? (laughs) Isn't that funny? Anybody think that's funny except for me and Dan? (laughs) I think that's really funny. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. Isn't that interesting? Your pride. You know what's prideful? Telling your brother that he is worthless and that he should just be taking care of those few sheep. That's prideful. (laughs) Anyway, I don't want to preach much more on that, but the Holy Spirit made me include that. And the fact is that this. Instantly, when you decide to stand for the Lord, and you decide, you start facing things, and you start dealing with things, the devil will try to come and suppress you. Just know that. Just know it right now. Instantly, it's literally two verses later. Two verses later, they heard him and said, what are you doing? Who are you? Who are you to do anything for God? Who gave you authority to do anything for God? Who gave you credentials or no credentials? to stand here and preach for the Lord. And the thing is, you know what you need to do? You just need to ignore it. Just ignore it. Everybody say, ignore it. He doesn't let it stop him. And it says that he goes to Saul. I'm going to speed this up. Wow, 12, 16. Everybody okay? I told you I was going to preach short. I really intended to today. I swear, really, today I did. But I'm not going to, let's just finish the story. Everybody say, come on, preacher, finish the story. You you said it, okay. You said it. I'll do it. Uh, So he goes to Saul and he says, I'll fight for him. Verse 33, one of my favorite words. I say this all the time. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. Come on. There's so much more in this. I could, man, you could really preach in here. There's so much in here. There's a lot of life in here. But just for the sake of today, another one trying to stop him, trying to suppress him. We're going to find out in the next verses, just moments ahead from now, who David knew. David knew his God. And he was anointed by the Lord. He was set apart by the Lord Not because he was special, but because he had a heart after God. Because he actually didn't have pride. Even though he was accused of pride, he didn't have pride in him. And God can use that. 
God can't use pride. Saul had pride. God couldn't use Saul. He wanted to. And actually, the scriptures tell us that God wanted to and told him, I would have. And if God said it, I believe it. If God told him, I would have built your kingdom and I would have expanded your family, then I just choose to believe the scriptures that God meant that. But he says, I'll go fight for him. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. The devil will try to bombard you with so much weight around your, your commitments to the Lord. I'm telling you, right? We've talked about this. TJ and I have talked about this in private. The moment you commit to the Lord, a particular area of your life or a new thing, like I'm going I'm to step out and I'm going to do this, right? Who has experienced this? Every single time he will try to bombard you and convince you you're not that guy or you're not that girl. Who are you? And you can't do it. And this is what's interesting. When they can't convince you that you're not the guy, this is what they'll try to do. It says, David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And he said, he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I like David. I like that. He said, I've done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this Philistine too. Come on, who doesn't get encouraged just by reading those words? I don't even have to preach anything there. Man, come on. I've been standing, I've been trusting God, and devil's got a new giant. There's a new thing in front of us. I faced this and I faced that. There's a new thing, but I'm not going to look at the thing. I'm going to look to the same God who delivered me before. He said that I'll do it to him too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And we need to come to this resolve. There is an enemy that has been taking down our brothers and sisters. We need to come to this resolve. He has defied my God. The enemy in this region has stood and he has suppressed this region long enough. And it's time that we take him down. It's time that we stand and we face this thing together. It says that the Lord who rescued me. So he just tells us in verse 36, I had planned on preaching this more into more depth and I'm not going to, but he just told us that he did it. And then in verse 37, it says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, David understood. David was not afraid to, he didn't just say, well, God will deliver them. It was just put it in translation, ready to you as a believer, 2020. I'm not relying on God to save that person. It is going to be God, but I'm going to pray that they're saved, and I'm going to keep praying, and I know that I'm going to pray, but it's going to be God who does it, okay? This is what I've been trying to get to us this time. He, he grabbed a hold. He didn't just say, well, I rebuke you, bear. I mean, we can rebuke Satan. That's our, that's our tools, okay? But in that particular case, that bear needed to be physically killed. And so to physically kill him, it took his physical hands to physically grab him and physically kill him. We can't just think in our head, okay, Lord, you've got the situation. I mean, that's good to have that peace in your heart, but then you need to take action, grab a hold of this tongue that's inside your head. 
Come on. And begin to speak out, pray out the word of God. We know it's God. We, he's, he literally just tells Saul, I did it. But verse 37, he knows how he did it. Everybody say, he knows how. Because he knows who. He knows who delivered him. The Lord who. This is why this is so significant. The reason he says, who is Goliath? Because he says, I know who. I know who rescues. Who is he when I know who rescues? And Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead. And he said, and the Lord be with you. And then we know what Saul tries to do just for sake of time. Saul tries to put his own stuff on him, right? And, and if the devil can't stop you from doing what you've been called to do, you know what he'll try to do? He'll just try to bombard you with all kinds of sideline stuff. I, I can't say this enough as a Christian. You need to be who you are. And we're all different. Everybody has a different gift and different ability. And sometimes we can't help it. We look to the left and the right and we compare ourselves to them. We judge them compared to us. And we cannot do that because we're all different. We've all been given different abilities. But many times what Satan will try to do, and Christian, you need to grab a hold of what you know is who, who you are. If you're the evangelist out there on the street, then be the evangelist. And when someone comes to you and says, will you help me with the food ministry, say no and stay the evangelist. And when somebody is, is the, the food ministry and the evangelist tries to get them, you just say no. I know this seems like anti-Christian, but I'm saying you just need to focus and be who you are. And if we would all do that, instead of eyes trying to be hands and hands trying to be eyes and so on, there's sermons here, guys. <laughs> There's sermons there. But uh, the devil will try to bombard you with Christian stuff. Are you serious? The devil will give you Christian things? Yes, to get you off of off the strength that you have in you. There's a strength and a power in you that the Lord has put in you, and that's who you are. I'm not going to say any more about that, but you can let the Holy Spirit minister to you deeper there. So finally it says, come on, we got to, here's the end, and I'll just read it out. So David grabs the five stones in verse 40. We know the story, right? He has his own sling. He has no armor because who's his armor? Who's the armor? The armor is the Lord. We, got a, we can go into Ephesians 6 there. We have armor from the Lord. And Goliath walked out towards David, and he, and he taunts him again. And that's what he'll try to do. He'll try to taunt you. Right before the moment, too, you're going to finally deal with these things. But come on. It says that he cursed David, and he says, come over here. And he tells him, I'm going, to, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. And David replied, verse 45, to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you. I love that. <laughs> Come on, who doesn't love David? He says, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you. In your translation, in fact, I looked it up in the Hebrew, the Hebrew says that basically the Lord's going to hand you to me. I'm going to do the killing, but the Lord's going to hand you to me to do that. Come on. Do you know that the enemy is under our feet already? Come on. He's already been defeated. He's standing there. He's been taunting. He's been lying. He's been taking down uh, 
uh, Christians. And the reality is, is that we have the authority to stand. We have the power to stand, to begin to pray, to begin to claim our loved ones, to begin to claim this valley for the Lord, and to know that the Lord has already delivered him. Come on, we need to know this. David was so confident on that battlefield because he knew that the Lord had delivered him. If David thought, I have to kill Goliath, then maybe it would be a different story. But he knew that all I have to do is just stand and do what the Lord's asked me to do. He's already delivered you. You need to know, Christians, today that the Lord has already put Satan under your feet. And he put this incredible power. And you can go read Ephesians 6. In fact, read it many times today. The Lord has put an incredible power inside you. He took the word of God and he placed it. He wrote it on your heart. And then he gave you a tongue. To begin to speak out and pray. Come on. As I started in the sermon, if the devil doesn't care if you go to heaven, I mean, he does, but if he's like, fine, you know what? If go to heaven, so be it. But at least you're not on this earth. Then that shows us how powerful it is to stand on this earth and to pray and to be a light in the world that we are surrounded by. And you will not be confident if you think you have to do it. Your confidence is going to come in this. And you have to know already that the cross of Jesus Christ put Satan under our feet 2,000 years ago. That Satan is already defeated and that the word of God is upon my lips and I just have to speak it out and don't look at Goliath. You just look at the Lord beyond. You look at the Lord behind him standing there with you in that situation and today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. It's not with human strength. He uses humans, but he puts his spirit in you. He puts his word in you. He puts his abilities in you. And this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you two us. And as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground, and David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus that you are here in this room with us. And I just pray, Lord, you plant that word down deep in our hearts now. Lord, beyond our minds, beyond my words, Lord, plant the heart of this message down in our hearts 
so that we will stand, Lord, and be the people that you called us to be. Goliath will not taunt our families any longer. He will not taunt our own minds any longer. He will not taunt our loved ones and this region any longer. We're not going to run in fear. We're not going to revert to what we always do, Lord, and turn and run. We're not going to let anyone convince us of any other thing or to do this or do that. We're going to look to you, trust in you, and stand and face, Lord, this thing that's in front of us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.